Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Persuasion by the Pint. I'm Jonathan Taylor, along with Sean McCool. And we've got a special guest sitting in the green room this afternoon, live with us here on the Twitters and the Twitches and the Tubes and the Books. Like, we got all the things covered. Awesome. What's so, he going uh, yeah, to tell us about today, Sean? Well, he, he gave me a title for the show after I invited him on. And mm-hmm. he said, the six-figure client experience, how to brew up, there's a little pun there, the best client experience. I like so, it. Yeah. I was I a little like disappointed it. with experience twice in the title. That was a little, you know, <laughs> but I didn't feel like editing and putting on my copy editor hat. So yeah, yeah. we just, we just threw it up as he, as our guest wanted it. So we'll, we'll you know, we'll see if that affects anything that in all of our me. lives. Um, yeah, why don't we, he's got a beverage, Jonathan. So why don't we just go ahead and bring in our special guest of the afternoon, Mr. Tom Meitner. Please, please. Hold your applause. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Wow. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta the stage thing where you say stop it, but you... You're using the hand no, motions please, to yeah. keep it coming. It's hard to do that on camera. Yeah. You know, pod, that doesn't translate to our podcast <laughs> listeners, just the YouTube and this other is listeners. the framing uh, segment of our show, uh, yeah. Tom, where we, we frame, we, we create the, uh, we, we start you off with a nice framework of applause. Yes. You know, really, Why wait to the really end for a standing ovation? Makes me feel right? good. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. You know, Jonathan, we never do that. We never actually do a clap at the end of the show. We should start. Maybe we should start adding that in. Or maybe everybody left. I don't know. That's right. Well, Tom, it is good to see you. We were talking right before the show. Tom and I used to work together uh, at Street Authority writing financial copy. That was 10 years ago. It was really the last time we've actually had a conversation. So. It's amazing how time flies. You were kind of brand new in the business back then, right? I was, I was not brand new. new I was new-ish to finance. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was my first like big retainer regular client. Yeah. Um. So that was January of 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Not an easy one to have as your first client either. <laughs> they, they had well, some. You are easy. Yeah, that's true. They definitely had some issues though. Um. I don't know who owns them now, or don't see much from them. I don't know if you I see work, it. I worked for them a couple of years ago, but I don't know if they've, I think part of their company has changed hands again since yeah. then. Yeah, I think so too. So, so um, you had a couple of good wins with them, but um, yep. yeah, just not writing much financial anymore. So, well, uh, Tom, I'm excited to talk about this, but before we get into the topic, we like to talk, we have this segment we call Juvenile Beer Talk because that's what one of our <laughs> YouTube listeners one time called it. Um, so now we embrace it. <laughs> embrace so, yeah. it embrace so, and amplify so we I like it we yes. uh, we make it even louder yeah I like it. <laughs> so tom what do you have to where are you from up there what part of the world are you in and then introduce your beverage well i'm from uh i live in richfield wisconsin which is just north ish of milwaukee and uh one of our proudest beer brands of many in wisconsin is the uh, new glarus brewing company we have our spotted cow here nice nice little wisconsin spotted cow spotted cow yeah is there a story it's a nice that? you know i don't know if there's a story i mean i could sit here and read the can but it's a it's a <laughs> farmhouse ale <laughs> <laughs> um you know it's it's a middle of the road 
you know, it's not too, not too heavy, not too light. I don't really like light beers. Um, yeah. and I wasn't feeling, I wasn't feeling heavy when I went down to the fridge today. It's yeah. still Friday afternoon. So, yeah. um, yeah, this is your, your daily driver, at least for me. Got it. If I need a beer. Sounds good. All right. Well, Jonathan, what yes. do you have? Okay. I have today, I have, uh, some hippies and cowboys on the uh, show. Let me, let me zoom in. That on sounds this. like an Austin beer. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's ten, it's straight yes. out of uh, Tennessee Brew Works here in uh, here in my home state. Uh, uh, well, in Nashville, so I mean Nashville and Austin are yeah. got a lot of similar That's vibe true. going on. <clears throat> but it is an IPA, Sean. So I don't know. Um, so it is a. Uh, so if you live in Tennessee, you have plenty of friends that are hippies and cowboys. This IPA is an ode to them. Uh, tropical citrus provides luscious aromas that filter through the palate, uh, light on the bittering. So maybe, maybe, maybe. this maybe is a hope. good IPA. So we'll see. We're not huge IPA fans, Tom. We're just, I'm not at all. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They get a little crazy. So, <laughs> all right. Well, um, I have, I'm actually, I went down to the beer fridge and there was no beer. So I found some of my, I don't know if these are my wife's or my daughter's, but I may get my man card pulled today. So I'm having a Ooh. truly, oh. truly a lemon <laughs> seltzer because I, wow. I missed my beer run <laughs> this week. Um, but I got to tell you, at 108 degrees, it's probably pretty refreshing outside. It's it's uh, I mean it's only 75 inside, but you know I like to complain about the heat. So. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's a actually yeah five percent alcohol. It's a lemonade seltzer. Like it's it's a classic, classic summertime drink. Even though I'm not a big, I think seltzers went a little too far in the last couple of years. They took yeah. over half the fridge section in the beer aisle. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's crazy. Does it taste more like lemonade or more like seltzer? It actually tastes more like lemonade. So yeah. Okay, well, that's good. At least. Yeah, it's definitely got more of the more lemonade taste. Like it almost tastes like a Mike's hard lemonade. I don't mind a, I don't mind a hard seltzer if I'm sitting by the pool, you know, yeah. because you're out in yeah. the sun. It's yeah. it's kind of refreshing. That's usually about the only time I'll have a um, have a seltzer, like yeah. a truly or something like that. Well, I appreciate you uh, <laughs> saving me there. It's very kind of you. Otherwise, there's no reason a grown man should be drinking those things. By the way, I got to show my uh, hippies and cowboys. That's a pretty cool looking can. That's a sure. nice. That's a nice yeah. can. Is that like? No, I thought it was Willie Nelson at first. I, yeah, like, I no. know. At first, it looks like Willie Nelson, but I don't know. But then it's got the mutton chops and everything. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I could do yeah. that now. I could just shave all this <clears> off and go with the mutton chops. <laughs> I thought all he right. had a coonskin cap on at first, but that's just a bandana around his head. So Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, um, Tom, now what we do is we rate these on a scale of one to five, five being the perfect beer. Um, you can use decimal points as many digits as you want. Uh, so yeah, one sc scale of one to five pints. Oh, we got to cheers it up first. Or oh yeah, we got it. That's true. <laughs> God, I'm out of order. All right, yes, cheers. And then it's we that truly. Taste. That truly is having an effect. Yeah. He doesn't want to cheer up that truly. I know that. It's a little embarrassing. <laughs> I don't know. It's more embarrassing that I'm drinking them or that I'm actually enjoying it. <laughs> All right. Oh, now man, we can this rate. It's actually pretty good. Now we can rate it, Tom. What's your rating? Uh, you know, Spotted Cow for me is four and a quarter, four and a half. You know, it's not a, I wouldn't say it's perfect beer by any stretch, yeah. but it's, 
when in doubt, I go to a bar if I don't know what I want. I, it's it's what That's I grab. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like Shiner here in Texas. Our Shiner sure. Rock is I like the, Shiner. the go-to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, cool. Four two five. Is that what you're going with? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Jonathan, you said yours is pretty good. I like it. I'm giving this a. I'm probably going to give this one a four eight. This wow. tastes more like an ale than an IPA, honestly. Okay. Very cool. Mm. So, very refreshing. Um, yeah, four eight. So nice, man. That's yeah. the highest oh. IPA score we've ever had on the show. I think it doesn't taste like an IPA to me. So because it and it said even remember I read on yeah. there it said it was um, light bitterness, uh, or light something. bitterness. So or which which is true. Yeah, very cool. Well, I'm gonna give mine a solid four. It's tasty, refreshing. I'm just embarrassed to be. That's <laughs> <laughs> why so I can't give it a five. So, what flavor is that again? Oh, the, lemonade. The lemonade. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah at least it's not like there. strawberry kiwi or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, lemonade is pretty classic. <laughs> so, well, yeah. All right. We'll, we'll forgive you there. Just Appreciate straight it. lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's jump into this a little bit. Tom, first of all, let's <clears throat> let's give people a little bit of a background. Start wherever you want, you know, six lifetimes ago, birth, you know. Can I copy. ask you one question first, Tom? Fire away. I'm totally intrigued by the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness in the mm -hmm. background because I've, mm -hmm. you know, I've always heard about the Pyramid of Success from, uh, who is it, UCLA's coach? John, uh, John Wooden. Yes, yeah, John Wooden. So I see the Pyramid of Greatness. <laughs> You got to explain that to me in the back. So um, there's a, there used to be a show called Parks and Recreation, character mm -hmm. Ron Swanson, uh, and his whole thing was just being a man. Um, yeah. And yes. actually, this was this was an episode um, where he was coaching a little boy's uh, a basketball team. It was like a youth youth basketball team, and he revealed this, and it's all just stuff about being a man, like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh let's see oh uh, i see him now crying see yeah yeah crying is acceptable at funerals and the grand canyon <laughs> um i gotta find one of those it's on amazon if, if you look it up it's it's everywhere yeah um, okay cursing My there's only there's only one bad word taxes if any other <laughs> word is good enough for sailors it's good enough for you it's you know it's oh, fantastic. Man. I'm putting and that on the Christmas list for um that's a great Christmas gift to a lot of people I know. So it's it's wonderful. It gets a lot of comments. The problem is I which I just moved into this house in January and I'm in the process of renovating this office. And yeah. I want to do like a gallery wall over here and then do floating shelves here, which would yeah. mean that would move, but it gets so <clears throat> many comments. Yeah, but I want to you just, figure out a way to keep it on the Zoom calls here. Yeah, you just do one of those shelves with a lip on it and you just lean it on there instead of hanging yeah. it on the wall. Right. I got to have something. <laughs> yeah. It just way too many comments for it. It's the yeah. perfect icebreaker. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. I like it. All right. So now you can give a little background. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I started, I started copywriting um, in, I guess I, st I started learning about it in 2006. Um, I was in the middle of college. I majored in English and um, I was getting no direction. I had transferred colleges and still wasn't getting any direction. So I went to Barnes and Noble and discovered a book on what wound up being copywriting and fell in love with the idea. So what I took a couple of years. Uh, the Well-Fed Writer by Peter Bowerman. I have no idea how relevant it is anymore. It was, <laughs> yeah, you know, no, it's, yeah, it's, talked about it's FedExing, you know, copy packages back and forth yeah. and stuff. But uh 
but it, I mean, it was perfect for the, the position I was in. You have it? I have that book, yes, somewhere yeah, on one of these shelves. I have it. So, so yeah, the well-fed writer. You know, it's a and, great title uh, too. It yeah, is. I love that title. That was, just wrote that was down. perfect. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I fell in love with the concept of it and started just kind of throwing myself into how could I do this. Um, so then, by April two thousand eight, a month before I graduated college. Um, I went full time. I, I quit my waiter job and went all in on this. So 15 years I've been doing this. Um, in 2011 was when I first started getting into finance copy. Um, so then 2013 is when I met you, Sean. And um, yeah, I've had some good years and I've had some not so good years. And finally in two the, uh, I don't know, 2018, things really bottomed out. Um, I kind of went through and figured out what I was doing wrong and what, I, what, what always worked and what could I double down on? Yeah. Um, and once I kind of figured that out, uh, everything got really stable. Uh, income just kept going up. Uh, so last year um, was when I launched uh, solo copy foundations, which is my copywriting program. Um, and uh, we've, we're a hundred and I don't know, 162 writers strong right now in the last year plus. Um, and I'm helping writers, you know, learn whether they are newcomers and need to learn the basics and get started from scratch or they are looking to stabilize and, and grow. Yeah. And I teach them, you know, the stuff that's worked for me. Um, I, I'm, I'm ruthlessly focused on getting, getting people, clients, getting people work. I'm, I'm not that focused on like teaching you how to write copy. Cause yeah. I think those courses are a dime a dozen. Sure. Nobody's really right. teaching, you know, the nuts and bolts of getting clients and making that a priority. So, right. That's what I help them do. Which is probably more important that in the day of AI to focus on the big picture, right? Like, yeah, I, I can't tell you how many arguments I have with people on AI. And <laughs> like AI is not replacing copywriters, it never will. Yeah. There are still scientists, even though there are calculators, you know. It's, right. It's, exactly. It's exactly. just a tool. It's just a tool. That's right. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's the, the nutshell of, of my career. Last yeah, so I'm curious. You said you kind of bottomed out in 2018. You figured some stuff out. Was it more about how you were working, what you were sending to clients? Like, what was the big aha kind of breakthrough for you? For me, it was um, how I was getting clients and how I was kind of keeping that pipeline primed. Um, you know, I made the the cardinal mistake in 2013 um, after. I started working with street authority about six months in, you know, the money was good and I was getting some other clients and people were starting to get to know me in the industry. I was out with my wife and I remember saying, cause I'm an idiot saying, Oh, it's so great. Like that. We never have to go back to being broke again. Like, Oh, I've arrived. People know me. I have a career now. Yep. It was the stupidest thing in the world. Cause yeah, just a few short years later, I had the worst possible year of my life um, financially. And I had a wife and two kids who were depending on me. Um, yeah, it, it, whatever I was doing wasn't working. And I just kept kind of doubling down on everything that wasn't working. And so I had, you know, one main client always. And um, every time that client would fire me, because clients are always going to fire you at some point, yeah. um, then all of a sudden I would have to tell my wife and she'd start crying. And then we'd have to panic and figure out what we're going to do next for money and how are we going to balance the bills and all that. And so it was just an understanding of like, go back to what worked in the beginning 
make it a, just a system. Just, just anytime you need clients, this, I call it a ripcord. You know, you can pull this ripcord, go out, get some clients and figure out a way to juggle enough clients so that you're never so vulnerable on just one client's income. Right. That right. was kind of the big Eureka moment for me, which took way too long to learn. But. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was more about your pipeline process than your, than your copy, which is obviously kind of why yeah. you ended up wanting to help people <clears throat> with that same pain. Yeah. And I think too, the best way for me, the best way to learn copy is by, you can write copy that checks all the boxes and the client will still hate it. Like yeah. I, what I try to tell people is I, I, I do teach you how to write copy, but I teach you how to write copy for the client because, and Sean, you'll attest to this because you're in finance too. The example I always use is um, every copywriting course, every copywriting book, program, whatever will tell you fear sells more than greed. But then when you go to finance clients, they always say, well, fear doesn't work for us. You just need to write greed. And so yeah. now I'll, if, if I were just working off of courses, I wouldn't even know how to do that. Yeah. You have to learn how to tailor what you're doing to the people who are writing your checks. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Like sometimes, and I know there's, there's copywriters that argue this, but um, you know, the client is your client. Like, and sometimes, you know, you have to be careful because obviously your name's on the line with your copy. Yeah. So you got to push for certain things, but you also have to know when to kind of pick your battles and be like, okay, if you exactly don't want this and you want this, <laughs> right. Not my strongest recommendation, but at the end of the day, you've got the editor's pen and the and the, the accountant's pen, you know? So like, yeah, it's their money that they're paying for the copy. And it really takes the pressure off your copy too when you do that because I, I've found, and it's something I teach, is being likable is a much easier game to play than trying to be the top performing copywriter all the time. Because right. frankly, I, I know a lot of copywriters who are killers, but they spend all their time working and, and all their, they're just completely immersed in copy. And for me, I would like to stop working and go hang out with my family and turn off yeah. that part of my brain. So that's where building the client experience comes in. And, you know, I teach that a lot. Um, you know, you, you get, you will get very, very far in this business, just being likable and easy to work with. People will give okay. you a much longer leash than yeah. if you're a jerk, but you made a million dollars for them. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true. You know that. I mean, Jonathan, you probably know that from being in sales organizations. I know when I used to be in sales, that top sales guy was usually a, just an ass, you know, Yeah. and they'd keep him around just to, cause he had good numbers, but that's right. Made, made everybody else's life on the and team. Those are, yep. And they ha I'll, usually had the highest chargebacks cause they were high pressure, hard closing. Right. And they're the, the most demanding of everything yeah. within, trust me, I'm that guy. Uh, sometimes, but, uh, it reminds me of, you know, what you're saying reminds me of the, uh, I don't know if you've ever catch Sean and I've been talking about it recently. The, the show Mad Men, um, the advertising guys back in the, uh, I, I think it's the, uh, the guy that supposed to be David Ogilvy, I, I guess the, uh, the show Don around Draper. what's, I sure. forgot the main character, Don Draper. Don yeah. Draper. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he's an Ogilvy knockoff. And I think it was but, the 60s through the 70s, 60 through 70s. Is that what we figured yep. out last mm -hmm. week? 
But there's yeah. a scene in a recent episode I was watching. It reminds me of that where the guy, you know, it's a big, huge steel company and they're doing copy. They're doing a campaign for him, uh, an ad campaign. And he's like, eh, I don't know if I like this, you know, so they're, it's a great, you know, they've done a great job. They put all this work into it, but they ultimately have to stroke the ego <laughs> and caress the ego of the, you know, you, you're, yeah. you're trying to massage that ego of the person you're working with to, to make it more palatable for them or, 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 you know, get them on board, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so it's, it's, you've got the best copy in the world, but it's like trying to make, you know, trying to make that client or that person understand is a challenge in and of itself. Right. Yeah. I've told people before, like, you know, I've had clients, not necessarily in like finance copy or some, you know, high direct response, but when you get into B2B, B to see some other stuff that's maybe not super hard direct response. It's more like there's sometimes the owners or the person writing the check, they just want to feel good about the ad. Yeah. It's not yeah. as much about having to convert. They would like that, but they also, you know, what and whether it's right or wrong doesn't matter because that's their feeling. Mm -hmm. You do have to kind of step into that a little bit, I think. Yeah. So, sure. so Tom, break down. You gave me the title, the six-figure client experience, how to, <laughs> how to brew up the best client experience. Break down the title. And let's start diving into what is a six-figure client experience? Well, I. so first of all, I'm the first guy to say, as much as I am a copywriter, I'm really bad at naming things. So when you said, give me a title, I'm like, crap. <laughs> all right. Because like, you know, I just can't. Right. Well, now's your chance to fluff it up a little that bit. Was, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, every client wants uh, wants open communication, wants respect. I I find a little bit a little bit of fun, not a lot. You can't overdo that, but um, they just want. I always remember Sean. You you used a line with me when we met in Texas. Um, it was at the end of the trip. So it was the first time I'd ever been on a business trip. I'd ever met a client face to face, and I said it was really good to meet everybody and at least kind of you know, be a, be a person. And you said, it's always harder to fire a face. Mm. And I never forgot that. Yep. Um, they, you need to have a life outside of work and, and bring tiny bits of it into, <clears throat> into the work because it's right. I, I'm not suggesting that you ignore that it's business. Like I think for the bad stuff, especially you just remember it's business. Oh, you got rejected. Well, it's not personal, but if right. they keep you around, it might be personal. Right. Yeah. Um, it's such a hard line to, to explain and navigate sometimes, but I feel like I do it pretty well in my own work. Um, I, I think the best, uh, I hated the job, but I think the best job I ever had prior to being to this was being a waiter because I had information that I had to communicate. Sometimes it was delicate. Um, but you had to, but but you had to do it in a way that was positive, that was uh, that connected with people at the table, yeah. and your pay depended on it. So right. you had you were forced to de to develop those soft skills, and I draw on that all the time. I mean, if you drop if you drop a tray of drinks into somebody's lap, which I have done, you better have a way to handle it that's going to yeah. use you know the situation um, and make up for it. And uh, I got a tip that night, you know, it's, yeah. 
And you have to bring that attitude into, into your work. I, I, there are so many writers that I work with, whether with a client or you know, in my program, who clearly don't have personalities. They don't have, they, it doesn't appear like they have a life outside of work. They're just, you know, single guys who, they don't do anything. They play video games or whatever. They live online. Um, and, and it's very, very difficult to keep clients and connect with clients. Oh, like, yeah. Because you don't know how to talk to people. Right. You to be able to have conversations with people. And you know, those few minutes before you start a Zoom call or whatever are really, really, really important to keeping rapport. And, you know, my clients know I have a wife and kids and know that I'm the sole breadwinner. You yeah. know? It's not a, I don't use that out of guilt, like, oh, they better not fire me. But just, you know, they understand there's a human being on the other side of this. Right. They treat you a little differently. I find it fascinating. I was telling Sean, uh, I've got a, uh, so I've owned some rental property and I've got a tenant who is one of my tenants is, uh, he has his own marketing agency. And he literally, like I was having a conversation, like I knew he owned his own marketing business, but I've never gotten into in-depth conversation of who he markets to, but he's like, yeah, I spend my time marketing to other um, marketing agencies because most of them don't know how to get clients. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> A marketing agency that doesn't know how to get clients. And he's like, yeah, you'd be surprised. So he does these um, mastermind groups with them and he's just filling them up left and right because they are horrible when it comes to, like you've said, like with copywriters that you work with, they're horrible with going out there and just selling, you know, face to face or, or, you know, being the person, you know, getting on a personal level with these clients. Yeah. <laughs> it's like crazy. Yeah. So it, Tom, it, do you, it, go ahead. I was just going to ask, do you, do you like encourage people to get on zoom calls and to go visit their client, <clears throat> things like that? Cause I know it's easy for, I've noticed with a lot of young copywriters, especially, or new copywriters mm -hmm. in the business. Um, you know, they'd much rather hide behind an email proposal or anything, but get on the phone or a zoom call. Yeah. I, in this day and age, I'm, I'm getting to that point because everybody's set up for it now. Right. It's, yeah. it's yeah. not a, a question anymore of if you can, it's just send a zoom link. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. I, tr I try to encourage them whenever I can. Um, my, I always tell them that my wife, who is my biggest cheerleader um, has always said for the last 15 years, um, all I need to do is get the client on the phone. If I get the client on the phone, I could charm them enough to get yeah. them to hire me. And that's right. almost, you know, 95% of the time mm -hmm. true. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it's important what I do. I, I, a lot of them that I do work with, I talk with, they're not that worried about getting on a zoom call. But what I try to explain to them is you need to set yourself apart on the zoom call and show that you care because yeah. every, every client that I have, every group zoom call I'm on, there's at least one person who's staring down into their MacBook camera. They've got one hand up here, you know, mm -hmm. they're wearing a dirty t-shirt and the lighting is terrible. And it's like, if you take just a few steps to yeah. invest in your presence, you're going to look like a million bucks. That happened. I, I bought this camera. I got this microphone and suddenly, 
you know, I had clients going, Whoa, Tom, you're looking good over there. I'm like, okay. Yeah. It was like $90 right. <laughs> equipment. Yeah. Just that little extra, you know, put a shirt on with a collar. I know we, we don't want to have a dress code cause we all work for ourselves, but you know, if you just take little tiny steps to show that you care about your presentation, um, absolutely really, really, really long way. That's right. It's crazy. Yeah, we need to get uh, Jonathan some lighting tips for his little studio there. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> a little too in, dark. Hiding in the shadows over there. Uh, <laughs> I'd say this tool, I'm, I've told Jonathan about it before, but um, you might share this with some of your your uh, copywriters. It's called eyeglasses. It's for your mic, for your Mac. And so okay. it's, a down, it's a software for your computer and it, it basically turns your camera so that you can pan in and out like this. I noticed yeah. you do that. That's pretty cool. So that if you, you know, if it's, if you don't have the perfect background, you can kind of create just this yeah, little section so right here. I don't want my door in the. Right, exactly. So you could crop that in exactly. using eyeglasses and it, uh, and it also has other effects, but that, it'll actually do lighting and things like that as well. If you don't have the full lighting set up, like you can go on here and I can adjust the brightness sure. down and up. So now I'll look like Jonathan. And then, yep. you know, so. uh, but it's pretty cool. It's a, it, you know, it's just one of those little tools that just, like you said, it just makes everything a little bit more professional. And yeah. even, you know, even if you wear a t-shirt, you know, it's like wear a clean one, wear right. a, maybe, maybe a V-neck, right. you know, or something like that. <laughs> um, and certainly not a white one, like go with black, at least if you're going to do the t-shirt thing. Yeah, That's right. You know? Very professional. <laughs> Who is it that talks, uh, somebody talks about, um, if you're doing podcasts, you should always wear a black t-shirt, mm -hmm. black shirt, because the, yep. the mic disappears more. Yep. So, oh, that makes no, sense. That's good. Good point. Yeah. Um, I think it, it might've been John Lee Dumas or somebody like that, that talked about that. So I'm curious, Tom, what do you tell your brand new copywriters <laughs> that come into your group and they're wanting to, you know, create some stability, get some new clients, Kind of where do you tell them to start and then how how would other people apply it so we've got you know salespeople that listen to this we've got you know freelancers agency owners all kinds of people but how tell us kind of where you start with people and then how that might apply to a couple different niches um if i've got somebody who's an absolute beginner yeah, whatever, kind of whatever the most common, tell us who your most common okay. person coming in is, and then we can kind of extrapolate from there. You know, most of them are, are have no, little to no experience. Um, I, I do have a few that are really good that have had clients who were just looking for stability. I'm trying to get a few more of those. Yeah. Um, but um, if I've got an absolute beginner who doesn't know where to start, you know, the first thing I say is, who do you want to write for? And because the the whole niching down thing is such a debate and everybody puts so much pressure on it i keep trying to tell everybody like pick a niche take five minutes and do it because a there's 30 million small businesses in the united states copy is words that businesses need so it do, do they need copy yeah they probably do um and the other part is for me niching is always just about getting out of your own way and picking something so that you're going I would rather you be out, you know, making some mistakes and learning instead of sitting around planning and writing down because I will, how many copywriters do you know that go, oh, I've been pick, I've been sitting on a niche for a month and I don't know if it's the right one or what's the best one. It's like the best one is whatever one you start going with. 
Um, yeah. Well, I think the problem too with people think that, uh, you know, one, people think the niche is not big enough, which thanks to online is no longer true. Yeah. Um, two, they think they're going to be, you know, a lot of c- copy people are creative. So they, there's this, there's this fear of getting stuck there forever for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, but what I've found, and you can tell me if this is true for you too, Tom, it doesn't matter what kind of copy you write, you're going to get some overflow out of whatever niche you pick. Like it's yep. just going to happen. Yep. Yeah. And I, if they say, well, I don't know if I'll write emails or blog posts for the rest of my life. And I'm like, once you start showing that you can write, they're going to come back with, Hey, you know, I'm working on this other promotion over here. You think you could take a look at it. Like that happens yeah. constantly. Yeah. Right. Um, well, it's like when I used to be in the construction business, my, my dad and I had a construction business and we built sunrooms on the back of houses. Right. So awesome. we turned porches, decks, whatever into full-blown four-season sunrooms and it without fail every time we're there they're like while you're here (laughs) can you do yeah could you you do this at do you do this you know because it's so hard to find people and to go through the process of finding someone and i think that's Mm -hmm. a lot of i think that's what people forget with their customers all the time like once somebody's decided on you it's a lot of work to find someone else to decide on right you know, and, and so they'd rather deal with you. Mm-hmm. They so trust not, you. And you, right. and you can just drop, you know, if you, let's say you're doing their email, you know, next zoom call, just kind of drop in. Hey, I was doing this uh, blog post for a client last week. <laughs> Got great results. Oh, you do blog posts? <laughs> no, not all the time, but you know, yeah, I guess. Well, that construction example is great too, because in that 2018 for about six months, I quit copy just because everything had gone so sideways. And I started running a wood shop out of my basement full time. Cool. And you know, all I did was build floating shelves. But yeah, all, you, you deliver floating shelves. They go, hey, do you do dining room tables? I'm like, well, you know, I could. Yeah, same thing. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you do, you know, kitchen cabinets, hutches and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I could do that. It's just, you know, it's just another box, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Because they trust you and they like you, which is the whole point. They didn't and like you, they cases, didn't ask you. And in some cases, just because you showed up twice or once. Right. Like, yep. You know, it's like sometimes it's just hard to get people to show up, right? So you yep. you know, you'll you'll go back to that person just because they're there. Mm-hmm. You don't want to count mm-hmm. on that as a you know, <laughs> a way to build your clients because they, they will eventually find somebody else, like you said earlier. I think that since yeah, you've been doing this, though, work, but... yeah, and I'm I'm curious. Since you've kind of taken this different approach, have you seen the lifespan of your client change for better or for worse? Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I have a client right now that uh, is we're two and a half years strong, um, and it's going amazingly well. Um, I think I'm their only copywriter at this point. Uh, they actually just split. Uh, it was a partnership that broke up uh, a couple of weeks ago and they both individually reached out to me and, and said, we don't need you to be exclusively come right for us. So, you know, I got a little bit of a raise out of that, out of this situation, but they mm. both, but they both said, you know, they like me, they trust me, they like my work. So why not keep, you know, you've been doing great work for us. Why don't we just keep doing great work together? And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, now I'm going on, that was January of 21 when I first started with that group. 
Right. Um, and it's just continued since then. Actually, my favorite example of this, and I won't name, I won't name the client, Sean, you'll know who it is. Um, if I told you, they hired me in 2020, I think. 2021. It was 2021. Uh, they hired me at the beginning of 2021, put me on retainer immediately and a nice retainer. And uh, we worked together for 10 months. I made them nothing mm-hmm. uh, in that 10 months. Um, and it wasn't anybody's fault. It was just a bad fit. We didn't work well together. It wasn't personal, just their way of approaching copy was different yeah. from the way I approach copy. Right. Um, so they took a they took a bath hiring me, but they kept me on. I mean, I, I have <clears throat> journal entries from summer of that year going, I, I really kind of hope they fire me soon because I'm getting tired of this. Um, but it was October when they fired me. And uh, they reached out to me and said, hey, can you jump on a call tomorrow? I knew what that meant. <laughs> and uh so we jumped on the call the next day and the two of them were there and they told me they wanted to end the end the end the relationship i said it was fine and you know we were friendly about it and i said you know guys when you messaged me and said uh you know can we jump on a call it, it felt kind of like when your high school girlfriend says we need to talk yeah. <laughs> um and they laughed just like that right yeah, uh, yeah it was great you know it was it was a very friendly end to a relationship yeah two weeks Two weeks later, after that phone call, I got an email from some company I'd never heard of saying that those guys had referred me, re- referred them to me. Now, sure. Those guys lost $50,000 mm-hmm. <laughs> hiring me. They made none of that back. Right. And yet they still referred me to somebody else because they liked me and they liked working with me. Sure. That's like the yeah. perfect illustration of yeah. building the right client experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think if you're working with the right clients, even if it doesn't work out, you know, if you're working with someone who understands copy, you know, specifically talking about copywriters, but whatever your niche is, you know, if they really understand the game, they know that, especially in direct response, like despite what the marketers say, you know, you don't, a good copywriter does does not win 10 out of 10 times. No, 